1: Plus, you get free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com. That's spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com with the promo code SELFIE. Today's sponsor is Every Plate. Initially, I thought meal kits had to be expensive, that there were kind of a splurge. But as it turns out, Every Plate is more affordable than groceries. Their quality ingredients come pre-portioned to help you save money and reduce food waste. You know, like the bag of spinach that I throw out every single week. You can skip the store and let EveryPlate plan, shop, and deliver everything you need to cook a delicious meal at a consistently low price. For me, in the summer, I'd rather be out enjoying the sunshine than cooking. EveryPlate helps me do just that. Simple, stress-free recipes come together in just six steps and are ready in about 30 minutes or less. You can choose between 17 recipes that change every week and swap proteins and sides to your liking. So you can switch up dinner routines however you want. Every plate helps me experience more of my favorite things in life by saving me time and money, which means more money towards vacations, concerts, the list goes on. You can choose from classic plate, veggie plate, family plate, and easy plate preferences to serve up crowd-pleasing meals night after night. Try Every Plate for just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering the code SELFIE. 179. Again, that's $1.79 per meal at everyplate.com with the code SELFIE179. Hi, everyone. I'm Kristen Howerton, a writer and psychotherapist. And I'm Ru Powell, an admitted
2: workaholic and self-care Luddite. And you are listening to SELFIE, a weekly podcast about women learning to take better care of themselves. We think self-care is important, but it can simultaneously be elusive.
1: Hey guys, well today we are going to be talking about the coronavirus, as everyone seems to be talking about the coronavirus, so we are going to yes. try to take a not panicked, but prepared conversation about the coronavirus, but first Ru and I are going to do a check-in. We're going to hear from Claire um, answering a question about tanning. We're going to hear from BJ, our resident therapist. Rue. how is your self-care going this week?
2: Well, I am you know, five days into a sabbatical. Mm-hmm. How's that going? I have, I have discovered that I am really bad at not working. Yeah. Um, and I think part of it is because, and if I was going to be as self aware as possible, that I attach so much of my identity and my value to work. Yeah, And so I'm not accomplishing anything. And I'm like, Oh, my gosh, does the company no longer need me? Am I which I know none of this is is true, right, but in a moment, I was like, "Oh, oh goodness, that said, I have gotten a ton done this week that is not uh necessarily self care related It was kind of like you know the episode that we talked about where you had all of those doctor appointments, yeah, totally i um, I cleaned up my truck, I got my tires changed, and apparently you're supposed to do that really regularly." And uh, I, it, it took a police officer saying, hey, do you have a death wish in order for me to go? Oh, yeah, I guess I should get these changed now.
1: Oh, my gosh, that's funny. I had the exact same thing happen to me last week. A guy pulled up next to me, honked at me frantically, like, I don't know, is my car on fire? And he was like, you cannot be driving on those tires.
2: Yes, I uh, admit, I admit ignorant. When it comes to all things vehicle related. So to have a police to have a police officer go, uh, hey, look. I was like, all right, yeah, yeah, time 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 to change. Mm -hmm. Um so I got I got uh like and you know from freelance world, I got a bunch of tax paperwork done, which is always a cause of consternation for me. That's a big thing. I was just I was crossing things off my list that have been weighing heavy on my mind, but I haven't necessarily been leisurely reading or working out regularly or taking a bath. I'm not there yet. I feel like I needed to triage all the other stuff first. Yeah. So I'm hoping that next week will be like a really good self-care week.
1: <laughs> oh, gosh. I mean, I totally relate. And it's funny because I actually, my workflow right now slowed a little bit um, in terms of the book because it's turned in. Right. Um, and then, you know, there's kind of this ramp up to book launch. Um And so I have a little bit of space right now, but it is amazing how much stuff I put off in the process of writing the book that I'm now having, like just housekeeping stuff. I mean, tires is a great example. Just my house, there's piles everywhere in my house of papers that I need to deal with and turn in and write checks. And, you know, it's it's (laughs) funny how that housekeeping stuff really just piles up when we are overscheduled
2: totally i just have a stack of paperwork that i'm like oh look at this envelope dated last september that i obviously should have opened so that actually i think kicks up a a little anxiety for me where i'm like oh no am i going to jail because i forgot to do this thing um i cannot tell you i cannot believe i'm admitting this i cannot tell you how many jury duty sessions i've missed just because i forgot about it or i never opened the envelope and then i i know and i went back or it's like the day of and i'm like wait i'm supposed to be in jury duty i can't be in jury duty and I call and thankfully I feel like you've got a sixty percent chance of it being cancelled. And so true. I have I have not yet been arrested, but I need to do I need to do better. I cannot believe I just confess this to the world. I'm I'm sorry, everyone who knows me, I continue to be a disappointment.
1: You know, but I think that is one of those difficult things. I have not been summoned to jury duty Maybe they don't even have my right address. I haven't gotten one in years. That's weird. I feel like, right? I, get one,
2: I, feel like I get one every three months. Like, they think that my hobby is playing a drummer. Well, like, that's those what they want from me. Too.
1: I've had those seasons too. I don't know how I got out of it. That's weird. Maybe
2: maybe they've checked your Twitter account and know how biased you'd be.
1: That's really funny. Do you well, think, I did. do you think I that's I what happened. the last
2: summons I got
1: <laughs> was when my kids were small, and I just wrote back and I was like, hey, I have no childcare. Like, I don't know. I don't know how this works, but. I've known to watch my children, but I guess you can if you're a dependent of small children, you can get out of it that way. But
2: yes, uh, being completely irresponsible, apparently, is not a feasible excuse. But, you know,
1: well, you know, I'm 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 getting there. I connect everything to a musical theater song. And there's a really funny song in Avenue Q called Tear It Up and Throw It Away. Um, And it's just about (laughs) jury summons. It's like, you don't have to do that. Like, that's not even a thing. Tear it up and throw it away.
2: That feels voluntary. Yeah. Oh, uh, how has your self care been this week? Um, It's been okay.
1: I will say that our family is in a season of just being overscheduled. And I try really Ugh. hard not to do that. I mean, I've taken a kind of a strong philosophy on like we kind of do one thing at a time and we're not like have, you know, super heavy involved in some of the things they could be involved in. So it's like my kids who play sports, we just play on school teams. And my girls who do theater, we just do school stuff or we're involved in a local theater. Um, But we're not, you know, I just I don't want to be a stage mom. I don't want to be the, you know, overbearing sports mom. And I don't want our lives taken up. And, you know, more power to people who make a different choice. Uh, But for me. Um, I want to have family dinners with my kids. I want evenings with them. You know, I don't want to be driving somewhere every single night and just have a culture of never having that family time. But this week, it's just been a, like, kind of everything coming to a head with one kid ending one sport, starting another, and then both my girls being in or close to tech week with their shows. Mm. And like last week, we did not sit down to dinner one single time together. And so oh. I'm just feeling that, you know, I that always gives me the this sort of, I don't know, like existential ache of like, oh, we're just running too fast and I know it's temporary, but I'm just feeling it right now.
2: Yeah. I know. So and that happens. And my kids are um I think my oldest is just just about the same age as your youngest or yeah. there's a, there's a little bit of a um a little bit of an overlap, but um my youngest wanted to do cheerleading which sounded super fun but the schedule was insane for an entire month it was monday through friday practice from like 5 p.m to 7 p.m yeah just for a month but i was like that's that's an entire month that we're not having dinner together you know yeah. and, and and again like, like you said more power to the parents who do that but that is That is a lot. And that's just for one kid. Right. You know, so I know. So something that we've done because we tend to be overscheduled, not necessarily like uh, one's got soccer practice and it always overlaps dinner time. Mm -hmm. So one thing that I've been really trying to focus on lately that I really like, because I think, you know, sitting down and and chatting and and, and breaking bread, as it were, is so important. I've been waking up early, which I know you hate, but I've been waking up early and I've been doing like a really nice breakfast. That's so so, nice. So they wake up and there is breakfast and like the table set and we kind of just sit and hang out for a little bit and have what I – you know, in theory, a leisurely breakfast before they, you know, rush to get dressed and get on the bus. Um, But that has been that has made me feel better about the seasons where family dinners are, you know, few and far between. Totally. I mean, I will I have
1: to admit, I'm really fortunate in that my kids go to a school where in high school, if you play a sport, it's during your last period of the day.
2: Whoa. Like, it's a school
1: period. And so, like, my son, who's in football, you know, he just has football every single day. um, up And it ends at, like, 3.30. It goes a little oh. bit past his school day, but he's not having to practice after school or go back to school. And that's so nice.
2: That is great. How do we make that a nationwide thing? I
1: wish they would. I really do. I'm, like, super fortunate because my kids' school – um, their high school is an eight period high school so it allows for a lot more electives than other schools where a lot of a lot of my friends their kids have six or seven periods but my kids get eight yeah, yeah does that mean
2: does that mean your school day is longer um I don't
1: I don't know our school day is let me think they they start at nine no I'm sorry they start at eight and they're done at three so maybe that's yeah. a little bit longer
2: no I don't think so that seems. No, that seems great, actually. That seems great. But they're a block schedule. So they
1: have four classes one day and four different classes the following day.
2: Yeah, that's I mean, I think uh, here it's still pretty traditional. And Mm -hmm. I find that like I can see why I can just see why high school kids are stressed out. You know,
1: I know. I mean, not to say, you know. They're not still stressed. But the schedule is really nice. Like, Jack, this year, he has football, which takes up his P.E. So that's technically his P.E. class. So it's not even an elective. And then he's taking music production in, like, an actual music studio at his school. Aww. Um, And a photography class. I mean, it's so nice.
2: That is really nice. They that get is to take really nice. a
1: lot of extra classes.
2: And the reason why I like that, too, is because I feel like for a lot of kids – if you want to get into a sport or, you know, an activity, like whether it's dance or or Mm -hmm. soccer, you have to be all in from a small age. And that's like the only thing that you can really do, which doesn't leave a lot of room to just explore other hobbies and try new things. So I I love that. I love that. That's your kid's school's approach. Yeah, I like it too. I mean, now I
1: will admit because I was not an intense sports mom and I didn't get them in, as you said, like at a super early age, they're not the best. You know, they – could be better. Um because, you know, the kids who played club um right. and spent, you know, every evening and and weekend playing their sport, they're better, you know. But do I want my kids to be professional athletes? No. Do I need them to be the very best? I don't. I, it's not right. that important to me. Um I know, you know, again, no judgment to the parents for whom that's really important, but I mean I also take the same approach with my theater kids. It's not just that I don't like sports so I don't care. Like I just don't feel the need to make my children, like, be the very, very best at something at the expense of them learning how to live a peaceful life.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I would actually maybe this is a topic for another episode. But I keep thinking about like, the families where there's a kid that's an Olympic hopeful. And so they up and move their entire family to a town. And then it's like, well, which great. But what about the other kids too? like, is there a pressure? I don't know. That's, that's, I guess I don't worry about that. That is a topic for
1: another day. We we should do an episode on it because I think a lot of parents deal with that pressure. And I mean, don't get me wrong. There are times when I'm like, "Oh, you know, they would be better at this, or they'd be getting more opportunities if I would have been more intense at a young." Like, there's times I feel actual guilt about it. Yeah. And then there's other times that I'm like, "No, this is my philosophy." But I, I go back and forth, of course. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, what do you have for two thumbs up today?
2: Um. So we were talking about it in the selfie. selfie podcast community group. And uh, people were asking about lipstick. And I am gonna really lean into being a millennial right now. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm a cusp millennial. I'm definitely a vintage millennial. I'm basically Gen X. (laughs) But where I have leaned Yeah where I've leaned into being a millennial is a brand called Glossier. Now I know they pronounce it glossier, but I refuse to I, I refuse to pronounce it like that because it's not actually a French word it's, so <laughs> so they've got um they've got this um, matte lipstick I really like and then I you know got into the boy brow and then I got into you know some of the facial stuff and so now i've I've discovered that my makeup bag is probably fifty percent glossier and um I am just all in and I noticed uh, how young I how young I'm trying to be when I go out and I see like 21 year olds that have the same <laughs> the same exact makeup bag that I do <laughs> but I will say there's this product called future Dew and I have dry skin so this is not for anyone with oily skin mm-hmm. but it makes it makes my face I always look a little bit like um, a woodland fairy with glistening skin nice. Does that make sense? I guess yeah. that's the aesthetic. Oh, yeah. I'm that's the aesthetic I'm looking for. So um, I have been. Uh, my favorite thing to do is when I'm with friends is kind of poke through their makeup bags or their mm-hmm. handbags, like in a very creepy way, because oh, I love to see what totally. what people like. I love that crap. Yeah, and so I am. Yeah, I'm just. I'm full in the glossier. I know it's supposed to be glossier. I can't do it. So I'm just going to keep calling it glossier. But I'm really into it right now.
1: Well, I think this is a perfect. Um, example of where our 10 year age gap is like
2: (laughs) showing up because I cannot
1: use their products. First of all, first of all, boy brow is a freaking joke because I am missing half my eyebrows at this point and they're white. So that little like wand that's just basically combing them over is not going to do it for me. I need like (laughs) heavy duty painting on my brows. Second of all, matte lipstick. Hell no. My lips are so dry. Like, (laughs) hell no. (laughs) Third of all, future do is just like, hey, look at my wrinkles on me. So
2: no, it makes it I feel so I feel so glowy. Like someone is just like I'm paying someone to follow me around and just splash water on my face.
1: I'm telling you that does not work on me. And I'm gonna say you might change your tune in 10 years and you might be looking for um, the opposite which is
2: moisturizing lipstick and mattifying foundation. <laughs> you know what? That's fair, but next time next time we're in the same the same room, can we please can we please um, yes. do a little glossier experiment? And then I'll use whatever whatever it is that you like to use your mattifying primer or whatever. Well, I have to ask this, what is the Gen X
1: makeup brand do you think? Or is it Clin I mean, I feel like it was Clinique, but we've all I mean, moved on. I don't on. know,
2: maybe like maybe Nars? I feel Nars, like it could be NARS. Urban uh, Decay. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to pronounce her name wrong. Is it Laura Mercier?
1: Yes.
2: Um, yes. That's I, very I, Gen I, X. Yeah. I, I, and I, I have some of that. I have some of that too. And I guess that's why this is like a little bit embarrassing because I have – I'm my makeup bag's open in front of me right now. Like I have NARS and Laura Mercier yeah. and uh, the Yves Saint Laurent um, – whatever that glowy thing that everyone loves but then i also have just a pile of like millennial nonsense where it's just (laughs) and everything is that millennial pink color and it's almost embarrassing like i don't I, i i i put that stuff at the bottom of my makeup bag you know what i mean that's funny um and then okay so my other two thumbs up is i know that sarah the previous host, who we adored dearly, was a lot greener than I am. Yes. I understand that. I understand that I put chemicals on my face and all over my body. <laughs> I, I Maybe I'll get there one day. In the meantime, the chemicals are working for me. However, the one green thing that I'm really into is using a keep cup, which is uh, basically just it's, – um, it's a reusable coffee cup, but it's super cute and it's glass and it makes me feel – I don't know. It like I like I like the look. It's cool looking and then it's the same. It comes in like standard out sizes. So I'll go to Starbucks and say, hey, this is the same size as a grande. And they know the drill because lots of people use reusable cups. And it's small enough that it fits in my fanny pack for when I travel.
1: Nice. And um, it doesn't, it has a like lid that doesn't, you're never worried when you put it in there that it's going to leak all over your oh, pants.
2: Oh, yeah. Sorry. I I misspoke. I, I, if I have liquid in it, I'm carrying it. But the point Got is, it's like, you need to have it on you to. Yeah, so yeah. I'll, I'll travel and I'll stick it in my fanny pack and then I'll go to a coffee shop and and i'll have it and i feel very smug about it um the only thing that i don't like that drives me crazy that i've tweeted about is that there have been times where i'll say here i have this cup you can pour it in this cup and they will make a regular like starbucks cup and then take the paper cup and pour it into the heck and i'm like you're trying to avoid single use and it's not even like they have to mix anything. It's just a plain. I just want the plain drip coffee, and I'm going to throw half and half in it. Yeah. Um, so it's not like they have to do that little barista shake. And so um, anyway, I, I think I think we're we're past that. But I wanted to share that one cranky moment I had. So anyway, totally. the keep cup. I'm I and I think it's cute too. So yeah, yeah, that's why you? I like it.
1: I think I might need to get one of these. I have. I I use um, Nalgene reusable water bottles yes um really only because they're the kind that have the cap attached and my children lose caps
2: oh uh i'm not a child and and that's why i need that i like having i like having the little the little springy thing that kind of just that kind of just hangs so that's why the
1: bummer is when you're drinking that springy thing is like hitting you in the eye
2: yes (laughs)
1: but you're not losing the cap
2: <laughs> right you know what it's like it's like back in uh laura ingalls wilder days when you had the mitten and you had the, the one piece of yarn attaching yes. the two mittens i need that that's, totally that's the kind of irresponsible in irresponsibility levels that i'm living my life at right now oh same i i
1: can't i can't be asked to keep cups and tops together that's too much
2: what are what are your two thumbs up for the week Okay, one of mine is
1: um, I actually got a home microdermabrasion system.
2: What? They have those?
1: They do. Um, It's from a brand called Trophy Skin. And supposedly, um, you know, it is medical grade. It is FDA registered. um, So it is, you know, like this little system with a wand and you, you know, just kind of move it across your face and it exfoliates and removes dead skin cells. Um, and it's really nice. I mean, what's funny about it, I will say is even if it didn't work, and I think it does, it's kind of a nice sensory experience, if that makes sense. Mm, yep. You know, like you're kind of, I know it just feels nice, like you're giving your face a little massage. Oh, and um, so it's
2: relaxing too. Yeah, totally. And but, not painful. No, it's not painful.
1: I mean, it's it's not painful, but you know, there's there's a rub. There's a mm. you know, um, there's a bit of um a bit of a feeling, you know. Um, but yeah, it's really nice. And I will say this, I mean it's it's spendy. Um I don't want to say it's not spendy, but if you went the price of it, it's one ninety nine. Yeah, but went, isn't
2: that the price of like it's the price go, of go, one treatment right yeah, right it's the price
1: of one treatment so you've got it at home and it they say it's salon quality uh, but then you've got it at home for the same price of going one time and then you can reuse it as many times as you want and it's really well reviewed um
2: i i think we'll need a review from you after you've used it for a bit and yeah like t- take some before and afters for sure for sure and they have
1: like different tips there's like a diamond tip there's an infusion tip where you can use it to like put a serum on, and it's supposed to make it go in more. Hmm. Um, I don't know. It's very fun and it's cute. It's it's cute. It's like that blush color. You were t- it's millennial blush.
2: <laughs> it's millennial pink. Love yes. it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> millennial pink is everywhere. It is. Um, and then my other thumbs up is I got a new um, white noise machine. Finally, I've I was using, I don't know. I don't know why. I used to use the white noise machines with the fan in the actual fan inside.
2: You know oh what I'm talking yes, about? like 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 this like the cylindrical. Yes. I, I feel like did you also use those because w- when you're practicing? Because I feel like that's in every therapist's office. It too. is in
1: every therapist's office. You're so right. Um because what'll happen is, you know, most offices are not equipped to be completely soundproof. And so um, therapists will often put white noise machines in the waiting room so that you can't mm-hmm. hear the conversations happening inside. Um, but anyway, so I had I had when my kids were smaller, we had a ton of those ones with fans on the inside. And then I ended up buying like a cheap one that was on a loop. You know what I'm saying? Like it was like a, more of a digital. Mm. Um, And I didn't like it, but I had it for like years, and then finally I got myself a real fan one again. Um, And here's what I like about this one: so the ones that I used to use, I I can't remember the name of the brand, but we've all seen them. They're like round, and they're not white; they're like an (laughs) off-white.
2: Yeah, they're like this. They're like they're like hospital grade beige. Yeah,
1: they're not very cute. I mean, this is so like cheesy to say but they're like they're kind of ugly. So, I got this new one from a brand called Snooze, Snooze without an E, and it is the real fan kind, but it's pretty. <laughs>
2: Oh, I like that. Well, also, you're getting ready for bed and like you want you want everything to be aesthetically pleasing. Well, right. I mean, it's like I've I've like spent all this money to make my
1: bedside table super cute. And then you've got like this. Yeah, it looks like a hospital thing um, sitting on the nightstand. So the snooze one, it's cute. They have it in like a white and silver or you can get it in white and black, um, but it has the real non looping fan. So you're never hearing that like. Noise if it's starting over again, and it's really small. Um, you can adjust the volume. Um, so yeah, I'm really liking it, and I actually think I'm sleeping better with it. Do you? Is it small enough to use for travel? Yes. Oh, cool. That is cool. In fact, you can even buy a travel case for it.
2: Oh, I love that.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I I do. I think I'm actually sleeping better with my white noise machine. I w- when I travel, I will say this: if I don't have a white noise machine, I'm not going to sleep.
2: Yeah. No, I mean, I still use the white noise app on my phone. But yeah. the problem with that is then I have my phone right next to me. Yes. And I have no self control. So then I end up, you know, playing on TikTok. But anyway. Yeah, I have that issue too. And I think the phone
1: I, I have the phone app also, and I use it most of the time that I travel. But um, I don't think it sounds the same. Like it's not the same. Right. It just I, It sounds I, digital and weird.
2: I love, um, I love falling. I love a couch nap. First of all, second of all, I will fall asleep on the couch if I've like, I'll run the dishwasher at night, uh, yeah. and I'll start running it, and I'll lie on the couch, and it is the dishwasher is my favorite white noise. Like it if I is. could, one day when I am older and super wealthy and very pretentious, I'm just gonna, it's gonna be in my rider to have like a dishwasher when I travel. <laughs> like Beyonce that always sounds wants
1: reasonable that sounds yeah, Be- totally Beyonce
2: reasonable. Beyonce always wants a new toilet seat I just want a dishwasher in my yeah. dressing room
1: Ooh, that's smart about the new toilet seat though y-
2: yes which I think brings us into our our, our topic very nicely way for a topic <laughs> all right
1: We're going to take a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors. I have talked about my use of CBD quite a bit on this show. Claire is also an avid user. We have both found it helpful with our anxiety and with sleep. Claire has found it to be helpful with one of her children as well. CBD has a ton of benefits. Our bodies already make cannabinoids and CBD helps us naturally balance that within our body. But it's important to note that not all CBD is created equal. There's a great company called Hemp Fusion that creates a CBD that also can contains omegas, and also contains terpenes. These things blended together help you feel even better. They do this because CBD works best for your body when it's combined with these other nutrients. Their specific blend of natural ingredients helps specifically with stress, with sleep, and with energy. I don't know about you guys, but those are three things I am always needing help with. You can find Hemp Fusion online, and you can also find it at natural product retailers near you. It ships anywhere in the U.S. As a reminder, THC-free CBD is legal across the U.S. So, You can use the promo code SELFIE for 20% off your first order of Hemp Fusion with free shipping at hempfusion.com. Again, that's promo code SELFIE to get 20% off your first order. Okay, time for a listener question with Claire. Claire is our beauty expert at SELFIE, and we have a question from the Facebook group about
0: tanning, which
1: I know can be a little controversial. So she said, try not to judge me. I'm already judging me. (laughs) Um, I'm 37 and I've never used a tanning bed until yesterday. I tan quickly in the sun and have always been against them for health reasons, but I'm going on a cruise and every year I burn in Mexico, even with sunblock. So she wants to give her skin a bit Mm -hmm. of a head start, which I will admit I have completely done the tanning bed base tan. Same. Base tan.
0: Same here. (laughs) And I don't really, I don't really base tan. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to put myself out there. And I'm going to be ready for all the hate. And I also want to just say I have parents who have had skin cancer. And so mm-hmm. I am aware of all of the things. The risk. A couple times a year, I will also tan. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I hide it because I don't want to deal with the public <laughs> shaming. Um, but I am a very light skin tone. And not only does it give me a little bit of a base tan, mm-hmm. but before we went to Indio last year, Yeah. full disclosure, Kristen, I tanned. Oh, so did I. I totally I tanned. we both did. Really like a secret
1: tanning. Well, because it's so, I mean, it's so vain, but it's like... You don't want to show up in a bathing suit no. with all your friends on this trip and just. Cause being, all of us all, all care how tan we are too. Well, at least the white, <laughs> the white ones I among know. us. Some, we have like some, some br- of
0: our friends are we not We Brazilian friends who are just naturally tan and it's not fair. Yeah. But going back to the question, um, it's a non-judgment zone. I totally hear where you're coming from. And regardless of what people will tell you, I do think that if you're going to a place like that's tropical, if you are of a, if you do tan, or sorry, if you do burn easily, I think it does help a lot. I do also recommend that you start very, very slow. I have burned myself in tanning. Really beds. slow. Mm-hmm. So there is a tanning place near us. I won't mention any names. <laughs> and I think the max was like 12 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I was like really gutsy about it. And I went, I think, for like eight or nine. Mm-hmm. No. No, no, no. I'm saying you're starting at like four to five minutes. Yeah. That being said, always cover your face. Mm-hmm. We work way too hard to protect our face from sun, to just ruin it in a tanning bed, which you will. Mm -hmm. Especially if you're using retinols, that's the worst case scenario. And if you're covering your face, a towel is not enough. You Mm -hmm. want to make sure you're covering your face so that you can't see any of that light coming through. Right. So Even that purpley light coming through. Yeah, that little
1: white hand towel that's in the bed. It is not cutting
0: it. it. Absolutely not. Um, Also, as far as SPF, there are some really great bronzing SPFs. Yes. One of them is Maui Babe. I've been mm-hmm. using it since I was like 14 years old. Okay, It's a browning sugar – it's like brown brown sugar browning lotion. Yeah. And they now have it – well, before it was just like you fry and die. Mm-hmm. Now they have it as like a 30 SPF. Oh, You can find it at like any jack's or like mm-hmm. Surf Shop, and it smells really good, and it gives you
1: an immediate glow yeah. while also protecting your skin. Now, I think we also have to caveat and say that there is no such thing as safe tanning bed. No. It's, it's not good. No, absolutely
0: not. Yeah. yeah. Being in the sun unprotected or being in a tanning bed unprotected, you there is a risk. Yeah. So there is absolutely a risk. And there's been enough science done to know that, I mean, don't even let kids do it anymore. I remember right. when I was in high school, yeah. you could tan at 14, 15. Oh, yeah. And now you have to be 18 yeah. to do it. So, you know, do it wisely. Don't do it often. Yeah. And in the meantime, get a really good hat. Okay. Here's, a, <laughs> here's another question, though. Um, spray tanning.
1: Does it ever really work?
0: Yes. Okay. It's really important to find a solution. So like a company that has a solution mm-hmm. that works well with your skin tone. Okay. People will scoff at this, but the the tanning, that the spray tan, I forget what it's called now, that they offer at uh, uh-huh. Mystic. Mystic Tan has evolved okay. over the years. It used to be a one color, mm-hmm. orange, orange. And that was it. They now have a variety of colors. Mm-hmm. They're all called different, like ones like Mocha, Island, Cabana. I don't know. But they're different Um, like base colors Mm -hmm. so one will be like a more um, red undertone one will be more bronze and so on so you can kind of play with Mm -hmm. the color when you go there i've done all the spray tan yeah i got married looking like donald trump you did
1: so you didn't look like donald trump you looked tan i was very tan. you were very
0: i went to jamaica on my honeymoon and came back whiter than i left yep (laughs) but that being said i went to like a private technician Give Mystic Tan a chance. Yeah, it is the best spray tan I've ever had. Interesting. And it's the one where you're like doing the robot in yeah. the box. Uh huh. I really recommend it. The last like three people that I complimented at the salon, Uh-huh. um, at the hair salon that I go to, all had used Mystic Tan. Interesting. And it's a lot cheaper. Okay. Way cheaper than doing like the one on one where you're naked in front of the lady. Right. Yeah. Who Which is also so
1: awkward. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. I need to. I need to give that a try. And I
0: spray think. Tan. I think if you try it for the first time, it, there's a big. um what's the word like it's um like a bonus no it's, a big, no, it's like a big company that I, all the tanning salons are called the same thing oh yeah I think if the first time you try it it's free yeah I'm, I'm pretty sure
1: right. I think you're right all right I think Claire we both may need to post our wedding photos in a group <laughs> so people can laugh at our tanorexia because I were you super tan too so tan <laughs> I mean first of all I was 21 nice. and I worked as a lifeguard and <laughs> the reason I got that job oh did you have tan lines Oh, well, no, because I was so shameless as a lifeguard, I would just pull my bathing suit <laughs> down. Because I was I was working as a lifeguard at a water park, so no one was oh, dying. They right. were going down slides in right. front of me. And so I would just be sitting in a chair. I got that job specifically so I could get really tan. That's like the
0: perfect job when you're 21. So
1: I would just sit there and pull the straps down. Nice. I mean, my stomach was ridiculous white. But no one but that when you get no married. No one sees right. that when you get married. But I – was so brown.
0: I would love... That. This is also a challenge for our friends in the Facebook group. Like, mm-hmm. I would love to see people's spray tan or just tan orexia moments <laughs> over the years. Totally.
1: <laughs> okay. We will do that in Okay, the
3: Let's hear from BJ. Continuing our conversation about anxiety, there was a, a question that came up on our Facebook page this week from someone who is realizing that after they've been at a social event of any kind, even with people that they enjoy being with... They need about 24 hours to decompress and um, feel like they're coming back into their bodies and grounding after an event like that. And they were commenting on introversion being um, a concept that they understand, and I'm assuming that they identify with, um, but also wondered if what they were experiencing could be social anxiety. And I want to talk about that um, because the concept of highly sensitive came up in that conversation as well from someone in the comment section. And, um, these are all topics that are absolutely very interrelated with one another. And I think it'd be really important for all of us to come to some understanding because every time this topic comes up in any circle I'm in, I realize how often people don't, they're not familiar with certain things. They're not familiar with highly sensitive people um, or that term, um, they're not aware of the actual definitions of introversion and extroversion. Those words are probably the two most inaccurately used words in the English language and most misunderstood words in the English language. Um, and so I kind of want to pick those apart today and talk a little bit about each one and how they interact with each other so that you can come to a little bit better understanding of, what it is you deal with when it comes to these things. Okay, so first let's start with introversion and extroversion. These words have absolutely nothing to do with how socially outgoing you are, how confident you are, um, how shy you might be. They have everything to do with energy. An introvert is drained by the energy of other people. Even people they love being around, they will be drained if they spend too much time expending energy with other people. So a social gathering will feel very overwhelming to the extreme introvert the moment they walk in the door. For others... We, I, I really consider introversion and extroversion a spectrum. And so for others, you might fall a little further in towards the extroversion line of the spectrum, and you may be able to tolerate a large crowd for a few minutes, um, or you may be able to be in the crowd as long as you could find one person to go over in the corner with and sit and talk. And a true introvert will tell you they don't do small talk well. They can't stand over at the buffet line and talk about shrimp, but they can talk about your mother (laughs) and your trauma and your childhood. In the middle of a room with a million other people, it'll be like a cone of silence and they can go deep, very deep, really quickly. Introverts really connect on a deep level and struggle with the superficial energy. And it doesn't mean that people are being fake when I use that term superficial. I just simply mean they can't tolerate the chit chat, the, the, the little social language we use to make ourselves feel comfortable with strangers, which is usually about whatever's right in front of us, that makes them even more com- uncomfortable and want to back away. The extrovert, on the other hand, is actually energized by people. They go to the party and then they go to the after party and then they want to after party to the after party. And then they go home and have a hard time falling asleep because they're so energized. That's the extreme extrovert. Most of us, as you can imagine, fall somewhere between the two extremes. And most of us carry some element of both introversion and extroversion, but many people are just introverts. And I will tell you the older you get, the more likely you will be to move toward the introversion side of that spectrum. We lose our tolerance as we get a little older for a lot of different things. And there's a number of reasons for this. One of them is what was talked about In um, the episode on PTSD, the book, The Body Keeps the Score was brought up. Excellent. It's our primer primer on trauma. Bessel van der Kolk, the author, was actually one of the two psychiatrists who created the PTSD diagnosis during the Vietnam War. I've spoken about that in a previous segment. He's the author of that book. And he talks about how trauma lives in the body. And here's what happens. The longer you go without addressing trauma, the more likely it is going to take residence in your body. And it doesn't lay dormant. It continues to, it doesn't want to be in the body. It doesn't belong in the body. So it's constantly fighting to be moved through the body. And when we deny it, refuse to address it, push it in. We power through enough traumas in our adult life. At some point, it is going to manifest as anxiety, as um, sleep disorders, as autoimmune disorders. Um, Trauma is meant to be felt and moved through. Once we've processed it, it doesn't mean we have to talk about it. That's what they talked about with the EMDR. Um, I have since mentioned on the podcast page on Facebook. Brain spotting. Um, if you'll go to brainspotting.com, it's a new method, relatively new. It's just a few years old. It's a type of EMDR. It still uses the bilateral um, brain activity movement to work. Um, but for some people, there's relief in one to two sessions where EMDR takes a protocol that takes longer. Um, for most people. So it's a great option. There are other options as well for treating trauma. Experiential trauma does not respond well to talk therapy. It's really important to understand that. That's why it's important to find a therapist who understands or is trained in trauma, because if, if someone hasn't been, they're going to use typical CBT, DBT, other methods of talk therapy that are not effective for treating trauma and moving it through the body. So as you age, the, that trauma that's living in you is asking to be moved through. And if it's not, and if you've had more traumas in your adult life that are compounding it, then your ability to be in a crowd, your social anxiety that you feel, which is just social, I will say social anxiety is a symptom usually of introversion Um, most extroverts are not going to experience social anxiety. So I would say social anxiety is really a symptom more than a diagnosis of a sort, because it's being brought on by your inability to tolerate the energy. And that may or may not be introversion. That could be trauma. That could be PTSD. There are a lot of reasons that we begin to feel overwhelmed in environments that have nothing to do with. have everything to do with trauma. Again, I want to define trauma because it's important to understand we all have it. No one has escaped trauma. In early childhood development, we now define trauma as anything less than nurturing. Now think about that. Anything less than nurturing to an infant, to a toddler, to a young child is registered in the brain as traumatic. Now, Trauma can be healed all along the way, and therapy isn't always necessary to heal trauma. We've all screwed up our kids. I know that's where your brain went if you're a mom. Yes, you did. Yes, you've made mistakes. Yes, you've taught you you've said and done things absolutely outside of your intentions that did register in your children's brains as trauma. And you have this is the most important thing I want you to hear me say, you have their whole childhood to to mend that so just because we experience trauma doesn't mean we are damaged permanently by it we are affected by it and it's crucial that we constantly be nurturing and and looking our children in the eye letting them know they are loved letting them know they are supported letting them know they are seen validated understood that's how we heal trauma is by meeting people where they are, no matter what their age. So for children, that loving gaze, your eyes lighting up when they enter a room, they're knowing, and if they don't, then you come back and you say, Oh baby, here I am. I'm so sorry. I didn't give you my attention. It's about constantly reconnecting. It's creating that connection. And when the connection is lost for any reason, coming back and reconnecting, Finding a way to connect at any time you can will constantly be bringing them back to themselves because that's adult trauma is where we have so lost connection to ourselves and we're acting from the system that has replaced that our secure attachment is replaced by insecure attachment that looks different ways in different people because that secure attachment is Gets lost, not it gets buried, it doesn't get broken, it gets covered up by the coping mechanisms we each learned in order to survive the family we grew up in. So, this is how trauma affects us in the beginning. This is what determines often. S- whether we're introverted or extroverted, if that keeps compounding throughout life and we don't treat it, we will move more and more and more toward an introversion model of approaching people, crowds, events, where we're having to be on. And we we lose our ability to really manage that energy as it comes in. Because if you think about it, with PTSD, it's basically like if you've powered through and you've stuffed in, you're just filling that vessel up and never emptying it out. At some point, you're going to be in an environment where you just have a tiny space left and the energy of the room, the energy of a person, the energy of an event is going to fill that little space up. And now you're Overflowing, and now you're completely overwhelmed, and it's coming out sideways. And this is how you know you're carrying trauma in your body that's not being addressed. We, as women, live in a culture where we just keep powering through, we just keep taking care of our families, and we just keep setting ourselves aside. And that's why I believe our podcast group has become such a valuable resource for so many people, because it's the first place they've been given to practice self care. And our ability to address all that we're carrying inside of us starts with recognizing that we deserve to take time to look at it. And not only deserve it, but we owe it to ourselves and our families to take time to look at it because it does come out sideways. It does affect us and everyone around us when we have ignored it for too long. So the introversion, the the social anxiety is all a symptom of that. If you've noticed it's gotten worse, quote unquote, as you've gotten older, that you feel less able to tolerate those big parties or those events or even more than two or three people around you. You may not have been born into introversion or you may have been, but either way at some point you've gotten less tolerant, and this is the reason why it's because you're holding too much in that needs to be processed in some way and moved through, then you'd get to a baseline of what you could actually tolerate. Your social anxiety would probably come down significantly when these things are addressed. So the HSP topic came up in the midst of this as well. One in 20 people, according to Dr. Elaine Aaron, A-R-O-N, are highly sensitive people and there's a website hsperson.com there's a book the highly sensitive person i think and the highly sensitive child there are two tests on the website one for your children you can take it for your child even an infant Um, and you can take the adult one for yourself if you're curious about whether or not you're highly sensitive are highly sensitive people born that way their ability to tolerate trauma is dramatically less than someone who's not an hsp so our highly sensitive people often become addicts because they're the ones that feel overwhelmed by feelings now one it's really important to understand the highly sensitive person actually feels their feelings greater than you so if if there were a feeling scale like a pain scale from zero to ten If when you feel joy on a three, they feel it on a seven. When you feel sadness on a five, they feel it on a 10. So we're feeling and a highly sensitive person is feeling their emotions on a grander scale. They're overwhelmed by even their good emotions at times. And so if you ever meet someone who is in recovery and they'll tell you that maybe they started their their substance Abuse at a young age, and they'll tell you that the first time they took a drink of alcohol, they felt "quote unquote" normal for the first first time, and it's because they're that they, they numbed that emotion on such a level that it felt like a baseline for the first time in their lives. They didn't feel overwhelmed by what they felt for the first time, so you can imagine why they would keep going back to that. So, our highly not all highly sensitive people become addicts, but they're but many of our addicts are highly sensitive and there was no space for them to feel the emotions they felt on the level that they felt them. And so they found a way to numb it and survive it until they didn't. So that's just a little picture of it. I have a granddaughter who is an HSP. In fact, I was introduced to this work through her because I opened up my phone on a Sunday morning to Facebook and hsperson.com had an, a sponsored post. And I was looking at it and it was focusing on children with highly sensitive children. I, and my daughter, my granddaughter was maybe 18 months old at the time when she nursed, she was constantly pulling off the nipples. She never stopped moving. She had to be sleep trained multiple times just to keep her To get any sleep at all. She melted down at the most irrational things. My daughter even had a hashtag similar to the asshole parents hashtag about her at one point in time because the reasons for her meltdowns were pretty comical at times until we came to understand what they were. So, sure enough, I go to this website and there's the test, and there's 23 questions on the children's test, and she was unexpected unequivocally 22 of them. I sent the link to my daughter. I said, take this test for her. Tell me what you get. She came back with, holy crap, 22. We had agreed wholeheartedly on the 22. And it changed the way we began to interact with this child. And I'll fast forward to, she's almost nine now. And a few years ago, I'll give you an example of what has happened, we have taught her how to self-regulate. The first thing we found was the answer we found was in a book called the whole brain child by Dan Siegel. And I'll tell you parents, if you're looking for books to read on parenting, anything by Dan Siegel, get it, read it, devour it, keep it, refer back to it. He is, leading trauma specialist and he writes on raising children at every age all the way through adolescence he's amazing but the whole brain child was the book that we leaned into in really learning how to to meet this child's needs and being able to validate her in whatever she was feeling never being dismissive you can't say you're you're okay because she knows she's not and now she feels like you're lying to her and you're not seeing her and believing her so she had to to be able to tell me, tell you she's okay. And then you could let go of what our, our um, step into whatever needed to happen to help her at that point. So a few years ago, we had my grandson's first birthday party at our house and um, we had learned by then that we needed to warn her in advance of what to expect when she was going to be in an environment like that where there was a lot of people and no one was really focused on her, and she was eventually going to get overwhelmed and something was going to happen. And so we were rushing to get ready for the party. We were running behind. There were all of us, the whole family pretty much was in the kitchen getting things together. And she came through the kitchen, and it, all of a sudden I thought, oh, we need to talk to her. So I pulled her into the room with all of us, and I said, this is, it's going to be, there's going to be a lot of people here today. I want you, you, my, my grandchildren have a room at my home and this, we were having this in my home and the party was going to be in the backyard, but there were going to be about 40 people there. at night. so I told her, I said, there's going to be a lot of people here. I want you to attention to your body. When you start feeling overwhelmed, take yourself into your room, play with your Legos or something. Or if it gets to be too much, you can go into our room, get on our bed, turn the TV on. You have our permission to do that without asking. You just do whatever it takes to take care of yourself because we're all going to be really busy. And I want you to know when, and you come let us know if you need us, but otherwise you just, you know what to do. You just go take care of yourself. And sure enough, one time, halfway through the party, I walked down the hall and there she was in the floor of my bedroom playing with her Legos. And I said, how you doing, baby girl? And she said, oh, nanny, there's a lot of people out there. I needed a break. And she has learned, had already at that time, I'm going to say that was three years ago. So at about the age of five, she had already learned how to recognize when she was feeling overwhelmed and remove herself. But we had to prepare her to remember in those stages. Now, she still can She still can lose track of it if we aren't mindful of it. But for the most part, she can begin. She recently had um, something happen at school, and she knew if she told her teacher about it, she wouldn't... Um, understand. So she figured out a way to regulate herself. And then she told mom and dad about it when she got home that day. And so that is what we all can learn how to do. But recognizing that you're an HSP gives you the ability to go, Oh my God, that's me. Oh my goodness. I can let myself off the hook all these years. Everybody thinks I'm too sensitive. Guess what? You are, but there's no such thing as too sensitive. We need you highly sensitive people. You're the ones who are born with a deep sense of empathy. You are the ones who feel what we all miss feeling. Sometimes you pick up on someone in the room needing help, someone in the room being sad. You see people and you've been vilified for your sensitivity, probably your whole life. Many of you have, and I want you to know it's a superpower. We need you in the world. We need our highly sensitive people guiding us. And unfortunately, what we've done instead is push you aside and tell you you're a problem. And so if that's been your story, I really encourage you to go to that website and look it up and we'll hopefully we can put these this information in um, the show notes as well so that you have access to it. If not, feel free to to tag me in a comment or or a post on the Facebook page and I'll place place it there. Hope this is all helpful for you guys this week. Have a good one.
1: All right. Thank you, BJ. So when I was a teen learning to shave my legs, my mom did not do me any favors by buying me really cheap disposable razors. If you grew up in as a teen in the 90s, you know the ones and they left nicks and cuts all over me when I was trying to shave. So With two girls learning how to shave their legs right now, I am committed to making sure that they have good quality razors. Guys, I was probably well into my 30s before I realized the difference a quality razor makes. Today's sponsor is Athena Club. They have great razor kits that we have been using in our house for a couple months. The razor blades are awesome. They are surrounded by this water-activated serum that has shea butter and hyaluronic acid, so you get a silky smooth shave that actually leaves your skin soft and hydrated as opposed to stripped dry and their blades are spaced out to let hair and shave cream pass through easily so you don't have to make a ton of passes going over and over the skin to remove the hair. Fewer passes means less irritation to your skin, which cuts down on razor burn and ingrown hairs. automating things. You never have to worry about dull blades because they send refills on your schedule. You just choose how often you want them and they will send them automatically with free shipping. I would also highly recommend their cloud shave foam too. It's insanely thick and stays on while you shave so you don't have to reapply. It leaves your skin feeling very moisturized. It's really, really good. If you want to try a great quality razor that cuts down on the wastefulness of disposable razors, try Athena Club razor kit. You can get 20% off your first order at athenaclub.com with the promo code SELFIE. That's A- A-T-H-E-N-A-C-L-U-B.com with a promo code selfie for 20% off If you've used an over-the-counter retinol before, you know it's really great, but a dermatology-grade retinoid is even better. anywhere. That's S-E-L-F-I-E to get 15% off your first order at dearbrightly.com. Well, Rue, let's talk about the topic of the day, which seems to be everyone's topic of the day, which is the coronavirus.
2: Yeah, so what is the the name that we're supposed to be calling it now? COVID-19. Okay, COVID-19, right. Is that it? Am I saying it right? I don't know. I, I d I don't know. I was I was uh banking on you knowing the pronunciation so I didn't have to be the one that looked ridiculous. I'm guessing, so oh. I
1: I'm I'm gonna keep calling I'm gonna keep calling it the coronavirus.
2: But yeah, COVID nineteen. COVID nineteen. Got it. Got it. So um you are in an area where there is coronavirus. Yes,
1: I am. What's interesting is um and i had I had put this on Facebook so um about two weeks ago, so I live in the middle of Orange County, which is a very densely populated I mean it's insane, like our houses are all smooshed together, there's tons of people and Orange County, if people don't know, what's weird about Orange County is it's actually a collection of I think forty cities that just all run into one another, so it is there is no. <laughs> there's no land. You know what I'm saying? It is 40 cities. And then once you hit the edge of Orange County to the north, you've hit LA. Once you hit the edge of of Orange County to the south, you've hit San Diego. So it is so densely populated. And for a bit, there was a proposal to bring all of the coronavirus patients that were coming off the cruise ships to quarantine in the middle of my town at a residential um, center. It was a it was, a, it was a, basically a center for um, developmentally disabled adults. So it was not a hospital. Wow. It was just more of a living, almost like a skilled nursing home. Um, and they were going to plop all of them there. And this place oh is, gosh. I am not kidding, 500 yards from my house, like a two-minute walk oh from my gosh. house. Um, in yeah. the middle of, there's a soccer field actually on the property. There's a golf course right next to it. And then housing Surrounding it, so of course our town freaked out, (laughs) and right, right, and you know they filed an injunction, and it was the city versus the state, and people were freaking out because we were like, oh my gosh, we're gonna be ground zero. Like you know, it's just it's gonna get out. Like somebody's not gonna follow precaution. Someone who works there who does laundry or does food services is gonna go to Target, and we're all gonna get it. And, you know, then the state was like, you guys are being ridiculous. But that is actually kind of what happened elsewhere in the U.S.
2: Yeah. 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 Uh.
1: Because that's how it kind of spread in um, outside Travis Air Force Base. It spread, which is where they were before they were trying to move them to my town. Um, and then obviously tons of people from cruise ships.
2: Right. I am generally not the kind of person that gets, that gets worried about this sort yeah. of thing. However... I have been traveling you a have. lot, and I've been in and out of you know international yep. airports, and uh, I discovered that you only need to be within like I don't know six feet yeah. of a person. So it's not like you know it's not just oh I I'm not concerned because I haven't been actively licking strangers, right. but I'm sitting in teeny tiny airplanes right next to mm-hmm. people, and um, so I I generally am not overly concerned, but I. I understand why people are scared. Why people with compromised immune systems are concerned, and frankly, how much it will affect, like even just the economical standpoint of it, right? Yeah. So uh, they can't. They canceled South by Southwest. Has mm-hmm. been canceled. Ex- Expo West, which is by you, well, I was going go to go. Has it. been canceled. I had tickets. Yeah. Right. Right. So um, and so they're talking perhaps like the twenty twenty Olympics. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's certainly like, I understand why there's economic impact and concern as well.
1: Yeah. It's funny because I feel like my reaction vacillates wildly <laughs> given the day or time, because there's a part of me that's like, you know what, we're all going to be okay. You know, we're going to get this, we're going to get through it. We've got to live our lives. You know, I did go on and look at like reduced airfare. Cause I'm like, well, if you know, nobody's flying, I'll take the cheap yeah. tickets
2: um, sure. you know,
1: so there's a part of me that's just like, let's do this, like we're gonna get it no matter what. So we just have to live our lives. Um, but then there's another part of me, I have asthma. Uh, right, and it's right. not always well controlled. It usually is. Sometimes it's not. Um when the fires were happening here, I was, you know, I was like all you know, almost to the ER. Um So, you know, then at the same time, there's a little little part of me that's like, man, I need to not get this. Like, I know my kids are going to get it, but I need to not get this uh, because Mm. I am a little bit compromised uh, because it's a lung disease, you know? So I don't know. I go back and forth. It's funny because my risk of getting it is actually super low because I work from home. I mean, I'm practically living a quarantined life. (laughs)
2: Right. What was that? Uh, There was this really funny tweet that was like, uh, you can't leave your house for three months. Freelance writers have been waiting, have been preparing for this their whole lives. (laughs) Oh, totally. Totally. So
1: my risk is super low, but except then you add in the kids, four of them going to school every day, and then it's like, they're going to bring it home. And what's scary about the coronavirus, I find what's scary is, you know, so you can have it for a week or longer and not know And so that part – and then there's been a little part of me, which is – I know this sounds crazy, but hear me out – that has thought, okay, when it really hits, when everyone really has it here, like I've thought maybe I should just expose my kids to it on purpose so I know when they have it and we just deal with it. Like we just get through it because it seems like kids don't really – I don't think there's been a death of a child. Like, I don't think the risk is very high for kids. So there's a part of me that's like, let's plan for this. I will quarantine them. They'll get it. They'll be, you know, then they can't be carriers anymore. And then I won't, you know, which is crazy. I won't do that. But
2: yeah, no, it definitely sounds like the plot of an episode of Black Mirror. Totally. But fine. <laughs> cool. <laughs> no, I, um, so i got two kids with asthma and they've been they've they have been hospitalized for it before and i you know has your school has your kids school been sending out notices around this like we've gotten you know hey just make sure you wash your hands but how many first graders do you know that are excellent at hand washing listen
1: um i have a high schooler who's not good at hand washing so
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah um And I noticed, uh, what was it? It was on your Instagram that um, your local Target was out of toilet paper. Is that right? So people are freaking out. Now, what's funny about that
1: is they were out of toilet paper and they were totally out of hand sanitizer and disinfecting wipes. You know what they were not out of? Soap. No. (laughs) there was plenty of soap. So it's like, come on, people. Like, I mean, wash your hands. (laughs) Just wash your hands. Like, we should be out of soap. That's what we should be out of um but you know and then that's hard too it's like trying to figure out how much you need like what where is the line between preparation and panic right and so I'm,
2: yes. I'm, I'm, are we using wisdom or are we being eat? Right. That's, that's, that's the line right so now. I've been
1: trying to like, kind of, yeah, find that line of like, okay, I want to be prepared. Like there's a good chance in the next three months that my whole family could fall ill, that we could all kind of have the flu at the same time. And I won't be able to cook or, or we may be kind of quarantining some away from others. So then it's like, then you're thinking through, okay, what are we going to do? I've made some freezer meals, right? I don't understand why people are buying water because
2: yeah, I don't don't, think that the
1: water systems are going to go away.
2: It feels a little bit like Y2K prep. It does. Just like a little bit like Y2K prep. And at the same time, and there are, you know, I'm not – I'm not – I see wisdom in prepping, and like they say just in general, in case there is some sort of catastrophe, it's good to have a couple days' supply of water, that sort of thing. I also just – I shop a lot online, so I feel like all I need to do is make a couple of orders off box, right? And then I'm like, look, we've got cereal, we've got water, we've got shampoo, we've got soap, you know, great, toilet paper, good to go. Um, But I have noticed like everywhere online is also out of hand sanitizer, although I will say this, I – Um, For those of you, because I travel and I always have it with me, um, I use the Dr. Bronner's hand sanitizer. I love that one. And it's – yes. And it's it's just so cute and it smells so good. And I've noticed – That I think because people think it's just made out of like dirt and water because it's Dr. Bronner's that it's not actually hand sanitizer, but it it is. is. It's like sixty three percent alcohol. So if you are swinging by like a Whole Foods or whatever and you see that, that's that's the the secret sauce. I've been I've been well, I'm going to share another
1: secret spot for hand sanitizer, which is Grove Collaborative. So. Amazon is out, but Grove totally – Grove has hand sanitizer still, and I'll link up to that because I actually think that I have a link that gives you free stuff, Um, but Grove has hand sanitizer still in stock, and they also have disinfecting wipes still in stock.
2: Um, And then one – I don't know. I don't know if this is a tip. I'm I'm sure there's going to be a doctor listening to this and going, okay, Kristen and Rita know what they're talking about, but uh, because my kids have food allergies – um actually I'll, I'll just tell this story so we were at disney do you remember um you and i were at disney social media yes. moms the mm-hmm. same year and it just happened to be a year that like so many people got the stomach bug like a bunch of families got the stomach bug um and they like spent the last day you know kind of all in a hotel room not vomiting but you know they, they all caught the yeah. stomach bug because my kids have Food allergies. I take baby wipes with me everywhere we go, and so they get on a ride. They wipe their hands after. You know, we go sit down. Right. We wipe their hands before and after. We wipe a table, and so it just so happens because I am militant about about hand wiping because I'm, they're touch reactive. They did not get. Um, they did not get the stomach bug. Uh, so we keep baby wipes around all the time too, and it's not disinfectant, but I will just take a baby wipe and just wipe doorknobs. Oh, yeah. And it does it does something. There's still like some cleanliness happening oh, sure. there. It might not be a disinfectant wipe, but when in doubt, I think it's it's better to use like a a baby wipe than nothing for at sure. all. And that's and that's an easy task for kids to do if you don't want them touching those Clorox disinfectant wipes. It's just hey, everyone, take some baby wipes and go around and and wipe all the doorknobs in the house. Um, Yeah, so that's that's a that's a thing that we do. Have you, you know, bought
1: anything in bulk or stocked up on anything?
2: Um. Well, generally because, uh, like work, like we do Costco for uh sure. So I haven't stocked up on anything outside of just normal food because what happens if we have to quarantine ourselves? But like, that's why God invented Uber Eats. Well, that's the thing. It's like we're not
1: all going to get it at the same time. And I have a couple friends where we've kind of said, okay, if I get it, you guys will drop meals off for us at the door. And if we get it, you know, or we'll do grocery runs, like we're going to have each other's back. Like the whole world isn't going to have it all at once. It's going to be like the flu. I mean, it's, it's highly contagious. So more people than just the flu will probably get it. But yeah, like there will still be deliveries. There will still be Uber Eats. There will still be those services in place, I would think.
2: I mean, realistically, the people who are at risk are the ones with a compromised yep. immune system. And I imagine I imagine older yeah. people. Oh, so yeah. for those of you for those of you that have elderly neighbors, yes, absolutely. Stack up on a few things. So, you know, they're probably not doing massive Costco runs right now. So if you can drop groceries off at a neighbor's house if they get sick, I think that's a very a very kind thing to do. You know, we'll we'll make sure to check in on um, older folk folks around yeah. us and make sure that they're they've got you know bottled water or snacks or um, instant oatmeal or whatever it is that we're all we're all stocking up on. Yeah, and
1: it's interesting. I will say, like at this point. The biggest impact for me has just been I don't know how to plan the next couple months. Like, my kids have spring break coming up. We were going to go to Florida. Um, you mm-hmm. know, I, I have tickets to see Rage Against the Machine. Like, it's, it's like, what's going to get canceled? You know, it, like, I mean, obviously, this is a massive health thing, but at this point, that's the thing where I'm like, oh, I don't know, you know, and I'll say this. But if you're listening and you know my children, you need to not repeat this, but they don't know this, but I'm, ta- I'm supposed to be taking them to Europe for Thanksgiving. It's a big surprise. Aww. I got $300 round trip tickets to, fr- to Paris. Oh my gosh. No, My friend um, Samantha texted me this like rate that she saw and I bought it like within an hour, just like, I'm doing this. So yeah, I mean, we're supposed to go to Europe. Um, you know, that's not till November, but it's just everything just kind of feels in limbo right now.
2: Yeah, so I am I'm still doing press for this, you know, project I've been working on with work. And so, here's a question for you. Right now, would you be riding a subway in New York?
1: <sighs> yeah, yes, because I just feel like we can't all put our lives on hold. Yeah, I'm supposed yeah, to be to New York absolutely. in a couple months, in 2 months. Yeah
2: yeah but it's also like the subway where there's you know how many people packed in a car and you're definitely breathing on the person in front of you um i know yeah yeah i don't know i think just i'm trying to just be reasonable and use precautions i noticed that i don't know like what's going around at my kid's school in in regards to conversations but i had the slightest fever and my daughter was texting me Oh my God, do you have the yeah. coronavirus? I'm like, no, it's just a little baby. It's just a little baby normal fever. It's just, you know, that, that low grade thing, Kristen, that you and I have been talking about all winter. It's just, yeah. it's pro- it'll go away tomorrow. Um, so I've noticed that, like, maybe kids are getting worked up about it i don't know if that's oh, been the, totally, the, the case at your kids' i totally kids school. think they
1: are so i feel like i've been deprogramming with my kids because i mean they're hearing the lessons from the teachers which are fine but then it's like then their peers are like i heard this or i heard that but it's funny i had to talk with my kids about it and said you know i mean we if one of you gets it we may have to kind of configure things in the house and we have a back house like a studio behind my mm-hmm. house and, you know, I'm like, we might, you know, we might need to, if, if two people have it, they might need to stay in the back house with the rest of us in the, in the house. But then I did tell them, and I haven't really explained my asthma to my kids, like how that is correlated to the coronavirus. Cause I don't want them to worry. Um, but I did right. tell them, I said, if you guys get it and I don't, then I may have to be in the back house and you guys will be in the main house and we'll FaceTime and, you know, you guys will prepare your own meals and it'll be fine, you know, and they're like, Oh, I hope that happens.
2: <laughs> they're like they're like house party. I've Seriously, I have prepared. I have prepared my for this. Like, was every like, Disney movie I has prepared me for this. Can't.
1: Wait, we're going to watch so much TV. <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> oh, so, well, anyway, my kids can't wait to get to get it. So,
2: <laughs> well, I think that um just being reasonable is great because i I, th- I think this is the kind of thing that can make people with anxiety kind of spiral a little bit yeah and i have so a little, i mean to, i have my
1: moments i really do
2: yeah i'd love to see um how people in our facebook group are are either dealing with this or prepping for it or not prepping yes. for it or if someone is just absolutely hoarding all the toilet paper <laughs> that was out of stock at your target
1: yeah, well, we'll start, um, if it hasn't already happened by the time this, uh, it probably will by the time this episode airs, but we will definitely start a, you know, self, uh, self-care self check-in about health and the coronavirus threat in the Selfie podcast group on Facebook. Thanks for joining us. Continue the self-care conversation with us over at Instagram at